when a business is looking to relocate to a, a region or community, they use different um, ESG um, metrics. And so they will look at things like the environment, they'll look at social issues, um, which obviously DEI falls in under, and they will also look at governance, you know, how long of an arm does your government have, your local government, what ordinances are in place, or is it a business-friendly environment, so on and so forth. Hey, it's Breaking Barriers, the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging podcast. We're here for real talk. We're not afraid to go there, and we want you to come away emboldened and energized to take action and make change. We believe our diversity, our differences, when joined together by a common set of ideals, makes us stronger. When I set out to help someone, uh, it is my intention to do just that. I'm not trying to do anything other than meet somebody at their humanity. What's happening, the world? We're back for another episode of Breaking Bears, the DEIMB podcast, brought to you by our silver sponsor, Rise to Greatness. We are thankful for your support. I am your co-host, Anthony Errington, here with my homie. Nick Ford. Yeah, who we Joy got? Briscoe, up, welcome Joy? back, world. Welcome back, welcome back. We, we've been having a good time. We've been having a good time. Listen, folks. Listen, today, how many black women do you know in this country that hold key roles in economic development and chamber organizations in the United States? Let's narrow it further. How many black women do you know that hold these roles in Iowa? <laughs> oh, let's go further. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's narrow the funnel further. How many black women do you know who actually hold a position of CEO or director in these roles? I bet y'all can't name a lot, but we got two of them today. Yes, we do. We got yes, two of them today. We, we are fortunate I'm, enough to. I'm willing to bet most of them look like me. I bet you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm willing right. to bet most of them are here. You're right. <laughs> 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 yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's what we got. That's what we got. Two powerful women in this space on, on our show today. And uh, one of them uh, being the only black CEO in the state of Iowa to ever hold the position of CEO in a chamber. And we have another director. And so we, we are excited. We wanted to read your Bible. We just want to hear from y'all. So we've got Ladrina Wilson, who's the CEO. Uh, well, she has Iman Consulting, her own consulting firm, but she's also the, the CEO of the Quad Cities Iowa Hispanic Chamber. And then we also have Nicole Salas, who is the Director of Communications for Grow Cedar Valley, which is Waterloo, Iowa, Cedar Falls, Iowa area, their economic engine. So let's start with you, Ladrina. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, I will. Let me clarify, though, Anthony. Did I mess up? Because my team, my team will, will be like, Did what I if I up? don't say something? No, you're okay. <laughs> We're just going <laughs> to gently guide you in the right direction. I'm the CEO for the Quad City Chamber of Commerce. We are a six-county region that covers Iowa and Illinois. So yes, yes. Um, we uh, have we hold great respect for the Greater Hispanic Chamber of Commerce of the Quad Cities and are in partnership with them often. Yes. Um, but we are distinct organizations with um, very similar missions, and they uh, we are all to the benefit of the businesses in our region. Yes, as someone who had a music studio in Rock Island, I should know better when I say Quad <laughs> Cities. So thank you for it's correcting okay. me, and I yeah, love no, Illinois. I love y'all out there. Hi, Illinois. <laughs> Tune in, yeah. Illinois. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. So um, a little bit about me, and I won't take up too much space because I want to make sure Nicole has ample time. Um, I am uh, I was a higher ed administrator by trade for about 15 years, um, have always been deeply connected to our community through service. I believe to whom much is given, much is required. So you could often find me on many uh, committees, commissions, boards, including uh, the many committees of the chamber and eventually on the board. Uh, about two years ago, uh, 18 months ago, they approached me about um, being the CEO for the Chamber of Commerce. There were a number of transitions that were happening um, in the leadership, and I said no. <laughs> <laughs> and then they asked me again, and I said no again. <laughs> And then we were, um, there was a call I was on and then I had to get off the call early. And I think they um, had a little powwow and um, I came to the understanding that it was required of me at the time. Um, no one was forcing me to do it, but I had a particular skill set and some initiatives in history that the organization needed to be able to lay a strong foundation for whoever comes behind me. So I have probably served in this role for the last 18 months. Um, have learned a lot, have offered a lot, and I'm uh, excited to be able to share what I've gleaned from this experience with you all today. Awesome, awesome. Nicole, 
Tell the world about yourself. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, Gross Cedar Valley is the, I, I have to do one of uh, uh, Dr. Ludrina on you. I have to, so we are the right. regional, we are the regional uh, Chamber of Commerce for the Waterloo uh, Cedar Falls, but we also represent um, Waverly, we represent Hudson, we represent the entire Cedar Falls area, which is, or Cedar Valley area, which is um, about six counties. So not just Waterloo Cedar Falls, but we are regional uh economic development, as well as um, the Chamber of Commerce. So it is a very unique business model. Uh, it was three organizations that came together in order to um, to create this umbrella organization. Um, and so, yes, we, we do business, uh, our business chamber operate as the regional business chamber, economic development, and then we also are in the workforce attraction space for the Cedar Valley. Um, I am from Waterloo, Iowa, from the Cedar Valley originally, went to Iowa State University, ventured off to New York City for about 18, almost 20 years, uh, working in the areas of fashion, entertainment, branding, marketing, and just recently came back. So I've been in this role about 12 months, and I am the director of communications, their creative, and their marketing. So thank you for having me. Thank you. I want you all to stay right there, too, because you both talked about being the regional economic um, development for the different areas that you reside in. And um, recently, I've been really, really interested, not even recently, I've been re really interested in economic development, but I've been sitting in rooms as of recently. And some of the idea and the concept for this particular podcast, although we'd love to talk to e each of you could do a podcast separate together, mm -hmm. all the things, because mm -hmm. there's just so much we can glean from you. But I noticed that in most of the spaces where we talk about economic development, they are predominantly male, predominantly white male, and there's very few women. And if there are women, there's very few women of color. And if there are women of color, there's very few black women, especially in our area. So you have all these great plans being made for communities that are changing rapidly and there really isn't a voice there necessarily. And so you two being a rarity in our space in Iowa and I wonder too, how many Illinois do they have a lot of chamber um, black CEOs too, Dr. They might have a few, but I don't know that they would even have that, you know, that many either. It's just a rare space for us to go into where we need more voices. And so I want to talk a little bit about both of your experiences in that. And we already started a little bit, Doc, Dr. Ladrina as, um, before Nicole got on. So we'll start with you and then Nicole will come to you too, being that you've been back 12 months to talk about some of the things you've saw. Okay. Yeah, so so Joy, right before we were launching the episode, you kind of framed up the question around like, how do you utilize your voice or can you utilize your voice or do you feel, you, you talked about a situation where it was like, you were just at the brink where you're gonna ask questions, but like the meeting was over and people were like, no, 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 like we're kind of done. And um, so I, I will offer, some unsolicited advice, but also um, I will offer it through the lens of my lived experience. I take up space. I have a commanding presence. And so I very rarely feel like I'm in a situation where people will not entertain a question. Now, do I recognize that some of that comes with the title? Absolutely. But even before I was in this role, I am very um, strategic. I have been very strategic in, in my career about protecting what I call my intellectual thought property. So in most of the service positions that I have been in, whether it's on boards or committees, when people have asked me to join, I clarify whether or not I, there's tokenism. I acknowledge that there may be some tokenism going on, but this is mutually beneficial. So I'm going to show up because I know no one else is being asked and we need to be in the room, but I also am letting people know when I come, this is what I bring. So I'm not just going to be a number. I'm not going to be, um, I I'm going to use my voice when I feel it's appropriate, but I observe, I watch, and then I wait to be asked because at that point, I'm not just out here offering up my intellectual property. You've asked for it, which means I need, I have a platform. Um, so I've gotten in positions where I'm very deliberate about making sure people invite me for my opinion therefore i have the floor um and so i don't I, I take up space but i'm selective about how and when i use my voice that way people do listen and i find that in many boardroom spaces this is a from a cultural perspective it's about jockeying to be the smartest person in the room like there's lots mm -hmm. of people who are just trying to offer their thoughts they might not even be adding anything more than what the next person said i don't do that so when I talk, I think that it allows me to have a larger 
platform of people that listen. So I'll share that and I'll let Nicole go, but I do want to tell you what happens behind the scenes that people don't really think I know about. So Nicole, I don't know what your experience has been in terms of feeling like you can use your voice in these spaces. I think that that was fantastic advice. I think that I am also a person that takes up space. I am a person that um, I think that I could be a bit, I could describe myself as being a bit polarizing, right? So some people are like, whoa. And then some people are like, oh, it's light, you know, kind of thing. So I kind of get mixed responses when I'm in these in these spaces. But like you, I think that um, it's very clear coming in uh, to the spaces and to the boards and to the committees that I'm coming with a voice. Um, so I think that that preferencing the conversation gives me a better context to have a diverse opinion because oftentimes I do because there doesn't it, it's not always like you said I didn't realize especially coming from private sector that it was so it's that is not that is so scarce when it comes to black women and uh, just having a black presence in some of these spaces where, like Joy said, the decisions are being made, where changes are happening very quickly when it comes to our economic development of our communities and we're not at the table. Um, so it, it has been something that I've been feeling around. And if I'm being very honest, being new to the space, it has been something that I'm learning from. It's been something that um, I appreciate the fact that you're giving that advice to say, you know, I, I don't feel like I need to have a, I don't need to feel like I need to have a perspective of, of everything. I think that I'm, I'm picking my moments where when I do contribute, then it is a, a, a valuable, diverse perspective that expands the room. That's what I'm looking mm -hmm. for right now. However, since I'm so new to the space, I'm still filling it out. I'm still looking for mentors like yourself in the space to show me or to help me navigate that and figure out where to take my stances and where, where not to, per se, I would mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that yeah, you're I both saying you're taking up space like yeah. the, that, but space, uh, intellectual and leadership space. I remember a colleague of mine, I always, I, and as you mentioned, tokenism, Ladrina, as a black woman walking in the room, I'll never forget my friend, Nika White, who you may all know. I'll never forget what she says as a black woman when she walks in the room, the saying about being tokenism. I already know I might be the only one in here, but I'm walking to the front of the room. By the way, I'm leaving the door cracked so the people can hear me in the back. Right. And so that's what I hear you both saying. And I, and I appreciate that perspective because I, I, I don't think I, I think there's a perception that many of us, particularly women, particularly black women, are, are supposed to be quiet in the room or, or there's this angry black woman syndrome when you're not quiet. And, and I like how you two mm -hmm. have phrased that. So well, I think I think you and I have talked about before, Anthony, like there's there's tokenism and there's being tokenized. Yeah. Right. And mm. th this isn't actually. There's, there's two that are not going to be allowed that to happen. So, you know, my, my question is, is I'm curious what drove you? Like, I know you had no, 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 then yes. What drove you into economic <laughs> development and into these roles? Yeah. But also, why is it so important that more people that are like you, whether it's black women, women in general, Hispanic women, are so vital to these roles? And why is it so vital for us as a community? You want me to go first, Nicole? Go ahead. Sure. So a um, couple of things. Uh, through this experience, I have become more intimately connected to the fact that economic development and community development, the lines continue to blur. So you can't talk about things like um, workforce or business attraction without talking about housing or childcare, mm -hmm. right? And so those are more human elements that I think you do see a bigger presence of women and or women of color in, especially as it relates to like social work and social issues. And, and, and that's where I would put the community development um, aspect of what I'm referring to. But they are so intricately tied that you have to have folks who are not just worried about dollars, worried about land, worried about development um, in the room. You also have to have people who have um, who, who understand the importance of the human element mm -hmm. and the lived experience and the quality of life that people will have when they are invited into your community. And who better than, to do that than a woman? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and that's not to imply that our brothers can't. It's just that um, we have been looked to for that 
for a long time. And I think in some respects, almost to a fault. Uh, but but it is important that we we have a balanced representation of not just the numbers, um, you know, and, and and the development and the financial impact, but also the people experience. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I think that's why I decided to show up and continue to show up in this work. I love that. Um, I won't be redundant, so I agree with that. Um, and what I will also add is from a workforce perspective, right? So where we are right now, we are in, especially in the state of Iowa and specifically in the Cedar Valley, we have a workforce crisis, right? So we are looking to attract more people. And I think, um, and Joy does a really great job of explaining why this is, diversity is is really not a, um, it's not a, 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 a plus or just an extra. This is a necessity when it comes to filling our workforce gaps. We cannot speak to a diverse demographic to invite them or to bring more diverse uh, organizations or companies to our to our community unless we are, like Ladrina talked about, have those lived experiences and have that representation there. That really speaks to their population, the people that they're serving, and when they come to our community that they want to actually stay here and the retention piece is addressed. So we can't really be effective with our workforce attraction, with our business attraction, with bringing uh, different entities into the community that speaks to diversity without having diverse voices at the table. I mean, that's just bottom line. Right. And, And at the place that we are right now, we need those diverse voices. So we have to. We have to make sure that they're represented. Um, we we cannot, you know, we lost about thirty percent of our workforce over COVID. You know, through baby boomers retiring, a variety of different situations that are happening. So we have to get creative right now about how we attract people to our organiz- our our communities and our regions. And just having a lack of diversity and a lack of, a lack of representation is just not going to do it. We need those immigrants at the table. We need people that are going to speak for uh, different communities and yeah. different diverse populations at the table that's collective progress yeah absolutely i want to segue because like as you talk about with voices and as you talk about nothing better than a woman this this is coming from a single mom kid who got two daughters so i feel you (laughs) and most of most of the mentors of my life have been women so i'm i feel you but we talked a bit a little bit offline about those pitfalls ladrina of how you and nicole and folks uh and black women have gotten to these types of positions. So I want to learn, I want to hear about some of those. Can you talk about some of those challenges, either of you that you have had uh, real, real talk about some of those challenges you've had to get to where you are and how you dealt with those? How are you dealing with those? Can you start, Ladina? I know we were talking yeah, offline sure. a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I, I shared with the group a few weeks back, it really, it shouldn't have surprised me, but it did. Um, I had a community member, um, an influential community member, uh, approach me. There was a particular issue that I'm navigating with with different uh, stakeholders, and I, there was a one particular person who was pretty worked up about this this particular issue. And the community member called me and and kind of was having a sidebar conversation with me, reassuring me that the idea and concept was the right direction to go, but just wanted me to remember. Well, you may not recognize this, but you know, he, this particular community member, he has a hard time working with women leaders. Mm-hmm. And when it, it when it happened, it put me on my heels um, because I'm like, this is 2023. Um, there are going to be more female leaders. And the other piece that I think stood out to me was I am no less, I am no more female than I am black. And that same person would never have come to me and said, you know, he really doesn't like working with blacks. Like it's unacceptable. Even if that was the truth, they would never say it because it's unacceptable, right? But I also think it's equally unacceptable to say to a woman, this person fundamentally does not like working with women. That's the conversation that you shouldn't be having that conversation with me. You should be saying to that male leader, hey, we've identified that you have a problem working with female leaders and you got to do this work to figure it out. Because at the end of the day, I am flexible. I will look at my thought process. I want to work toward alignment. I realize that consensus doesn't mean that everybody agrees, but that we are agreeing to align for the greater good. I will do all of those things, but I can't change being a woman. Now that person can change their attitude and they're in a very prestigious position. And if that's understood in a community in 2023, 
the conversation shouldn't be had with people like me. We need to be correcting that behavior of those people that are challenged by working with identities that are different than the, what they're used to or the majority, yeah. because our communities are changing. Yeah, There will be more black and brown people in leadership. There will be more women in leadership. And I would add that we have to correct the the folks like your your colleague who, instead of coming to you with the conversation, how do we teach them the cultural mm-hmm. competencies and the confidence to be able to go to their country club buddy and say what they really say, what really needs to be mm-hmm. said and, and, and check that stuff. And so appreciate right. that. They don't like talking to me. I tell them to change or get the hell out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, keep using that position to be able to yeah. do that because right. it's, it's one thing to do your work. And Nicole, you can attest to this, just the labor of doing your work and doing it well is is challenging when you haven't had mentors that look like you, when you haven't had the blueprint because your dad or your mom didn't have a similar job before. Yeah. But it's another one to do the psychological gymnastics that goes with trying to navigate doing the job well and being a black woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've had um, a similar experience um, and just just being in, in in important presentations, meetings where me and my colleagues and I'm the only black woman there and all of the difficult questions, all of the challenging, all of the is this really going to work um, publicly has happened to me. Um, I would say, you know, I can't say that it was outright because I was the only black woman in the room, but I could say it definitely to my entire team felt targeting. Um, I would also say that I've experienced, you know, just the age that I am being a black woman, I've experienced, I've experienced some challenges working with individuals that do not want me to lead them, that are not comfortable with me being younger, with me being a woman and me being black leading their businesses, leading their projects, leading them um, in terms of them being a, uh, a freelancer that we're hiring for a project or some of my assistants are, or some that I'm, I'm working over um, are not okay with receiving direction or having a woman leader. Um, that has definitely been a conversation. That's definitely been a challenge over the last 12 months, for sure. So it, the, the dynamics are still there. And like uh, Dr. Luzrina spoke about, it, it is challenging enough, um, not only taking on your position, uh, you know, her and I both talked about the transition of, of coming from a business world, coming from a different world, coming from a private sector. So you, you have that learning curve that you are already learning. You want to be in excellence uh, because it is expected of ourselves as well as from the outside community. And on, on top of that, you have to deal with the dynamics of being maybe younger, being a woman, being black. I, I have to lead teams. Um, I have to do big presentations. And a lot of those dynamics and those they could they could you feel it you feel it 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 is not uh beneath me or it is not above my head i feel all of those microaggressions for that, sure that intersectionality and that feeling is real I, yeah I'm sorry, how do you na- how do you all navigate so like for me and this is nicole can attest to this i am very much a person that um I subscribe to the philosophy and, and one of my mentors recently gave me this and I, I love that she gave me this language because she's like, well, Joy, you have no obligation to cross a, build, a bridge that is half half built, meaning that if someone hasn't done the work to even begin to understand what you're, what's happening, the challenge, you have no obligation to lean into that. And so because of that, oftentimes, I, Joy doesn't spend that much time in those spaces and places trying to convince people. I am very much a person that I will show you and let you catch up and then come back from a place where when I have a place of power to say, oh, now you want to be a part of it. Well, this is how it's going to look if you want to be a power with us. But how have and so that's my cope. That's how I'm kind of motivated a little bit about by doubt a little bit. And so I'll say that's my coping coping mechanism. Again, oftentimes I'm like, oh, you don't think I can do this? Wait till next week. And then you're going to have to come back and ask me to be a part of it. And then your whole company going to be a part of it, whatever have you. That's how joy functions. And sometimes it's healthy, sometimes not. But how do you ladies deal with when you feel those pressures and in the spaces that you're in? I would say that that's been one of the biggest challenges for me coming from private sector and also coming from the business world where I am a leader and a visionary that I'm able to make some of those decisions of let me go ahead like you're saying i think that since you are the leader of your organization you're able to go ahead and make those decisions and being a part of a regional chamber then we have to get a lot of regional buy-in when it comes to pushing forth big initiatives so um just being in a local politics 
um, we need to get everybody on board uh, type of position has been difficult for me. I, I will be very honest uh, because you do have some of that personal bias that comes in where they're not necessarily looking at the data or they're not looking at the strength of the presentation or the initiative that I'm putting forth. They're actually looking at the fact that I'm a younger black woman <laughs> and they don't trust that I know what I'm doing to in order to give me that buy-in. So that has been difficult for me because in this type of organization, we can't just lead and say, hey, I'm going to do it and you catch up. Um, we just don't have that dynamic or that that benefit, I think it's been very challenging to go ahead and get that buy-in, especially in an organization that is probably about two percent um, in terms of diversity. You know, two to three percent, less than five percent for sure when it comes to diverse voices at the table, specifically Black women. We don't have very, very, very few. So it's been difficult for me. So many questions running in my head. It's, so I want to go in a little bit different direction. So obviously we. All everyone in this room in this conversation understands 2020 and the, the big push towards DEI um, in businesses, short-lived as it is. But now we're seeing the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. How, as in in the chambers, are you dealing with that? I mean, especially as as black women, how are you dealing with that pushback now that we're seeing this reverse wave or whatever you want to call it? That's 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 maddening for all of us. But but how how are you dealing with that on a day to day basis? a good question because you all touch the business community deeply business and government yeah yeah so there's a couple of different things that i brought into um, our conversations when i work with our stakeholders whether it's our membership and them giving me feedback around whether or not they think we should be in the lane of de and i or if it's too politicized so on and so forth or if it's not a business imperative um there's there's two approaches that i use one from the economic development side when a Businesses looking to relocate to a, a region or a community, they use different um, ESG um, metrics. And so they will look at things like the environment, they'll look at social issues, um, which obviously DEI falls under, and they will also look at governance. You know, how long of an arm does your government have, your local government, what ordinances are in place, or is it a business friendly environment, so on and so forth. And so I rely on that to say, hey, when a site selector is trying to choose between us and five other communities, they are going to look at factors related to uh, the client, the environment as it relates to, you know, the, not just the geography of where we are, but like literally is it going to be, um, Nicole, help me out here. because Sustainable kinda, energy. But, yeah, yeah, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, they're also going to look at social issues, including what does your labor shed look like? Are there gaps in, in the workforce? Are there certain um, gaps in, in uh, livable wages by certain populations? Like all of these things, is there a skilled workforce that's available? Is that workforce diverse and dynamic? They're looking at this when they're choosing a community. So do we want to be a community of choice? And, and if so, then we need to have skin in the game. And it's better to be proactive than it is to be reactive. Okay, and I think a lot of people learn that post George Floyd, the people that went out and made these racial equity statements and didn't have proof points to go with them, right? And the backlash they received from that. The other side of it is you may not see it as a business imperative for your pers- from your perspective for your specific business or your business practice, but I represent a membership. Mm-hmm. I represent a dynamic group of stakeholders. And there is a mixed opinions about whether or not we should be in this space. But when I do the numbers and I look at the trends as, as it relates to our um, census tracts and who's in our communities, our communities are becoming more dynamic. They are becoming more diverse. So do we want to have a skilled workforce? Do we want to be prepared to meet the needs of a changing community? Or do we just want to wait and see? You wouldn't do that as a business practice. You would be proactive, not reactive. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of the the logic that I've used, I appreciate the feedback that people share. I acknowledge that maybe we don't see it the same way, but here is my methodology. And fortunately for me being in a CEO role, I've had a very supportive board. I don't have to ask permission for these things. They understand it. My board is in alignment. And um, even the members who who do feel strongly about it, um, they take up a lot of space as well. And so it's been uh, nice to have that level of support. Yep, awesome. Nicole? I would say that I'm definitely seeing it in terms of in our business community. Uh, it, D, DE&I is a, um, in diversifying our community. We did a rebrand 
um, in 2018 and 2019, and we interviewed the community and about the perception of what they felt like the chamber represented. And one of the pieces of feedback that we got was that the chamber has always been a good old boys club. So at that particular time, uh, they we had um, prioritized diversifying the voices at the table, diversifying our organization and making sure that um, diverse voices were represented. So we have been working on some initiatives. We have definitely seen some pushback from some of the organizations and I bring them right back to that 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 strategic plan and the reason why this is beneficial. And then they calm down those voices. Um, I think that I'm definitely still seeing like, you know, when it comes to our summit, our initiatives, things that I'm putting out there that we've all agreed on, that we've all decided is a benefit for us. We see some lack of support sometimes. Um, so we've just had to continue to move forward and, and just remind them of the um, what we've decided as an organization from our leadership perspective collectively. And like Lizrina said, we represent a dynamic group of business owners as well as workforce attraction, as well as economic development. So we cannot um, do everything that we need to do as an organization if we're not able to attract those businesses, yeah. um, those economic development opportunities like Lizrina talked about. So those are the conversations that we're having at our uh, chamber as well. Nicole, I want to I want I want to switch gears, kind of. You 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 got a unique background. You and I sh share that fashion background. You got you know my daughter was a model in is a model in New York, and you all mm -hmm. cross paths at Fashion Week and things like that. Yeah, I, I read I, I read your background. You know, I know you don't work with Sean Puffy Combs. You know, you don't oh. work with you know you don't work with. Well, hold on, we don't want to get canceled. No, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait a minute. My, my, that was P. Diddy. That wasn't Sean Puffy Combs. That was P. Diddy. Okay. 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 Those are okay. different people. Okay. Different people. Partner, abort. Abort. Hey, 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 Dr. Make sure you fix that. We'll cut that out. <laughs> you work with, you, you've been in a whole different world. Like, you know, and, and, and we know you, it's two different planets. And now you're here in Iowa and this coming from this fashion world for 17 years to this little Iowa economic development. Talk about what you've learned or what you've been able to bring back from the city or from your career that's applicable to the work you're doing today in economic development. Because I think oftentimes we don't, you know, folks that like sports or, and I think about people, my, my friends that don't, aren't civically involved, they don't see the value of civic engagement or economic development, how it affects their football game or the Nikes they wear or the FUBU shirt they got on or what have you. And so can you talk about what you've learned about economic development and how it really applies to your prior career and how the, what are the synergies? Am I making sense? Yeah, yes, you are. I think a, this is a good question. This is an Oprah question, right? What everybody really wants to know. Like, how did you get from here to there? Well, <laughs> right. So I would say that um, I do have a unique background um, as and, and it has been in fashion and entertainment. However, the last role that I held at Haynes Brands um, Corporation was a trend forecasting role. Um, mm -hmm. So that really focuses on data collection, on what's happening in different industries, right? So we're looking at creative industries as well as car industries and looking at um, what trends are happening in different organizations and different communities from a government perspective and how they're going to impact business, right? So my last role was really more about a forecasting of what's happening in, organ like I said, in businesses, communities. And so I think this organization was really interested in that aspect of, of my um, background. Now, even though I did it for a different sector, right? I did it for um, entertainment companies. I did it for marketing companies. I did it for branding companies. Then that, that some of that still applies when it comes to being able to look at different trends that are happening in different or different communities, different organizations, when it comes to placemaking, when it comes to just a variety of different things that other uh, communities are doing that we can actually do here and they could be beneficial. So that's one aspect. Um, the other aspect is I'm actually a business owner. Um, my company is called Design Her Life, where I've had eight years where I've been able to work with 
women business owners when it comes to how they show up and how their businesses show up in the world. So I think this organization was also interested in the fact that I have uh, worked with um, business owners, specifically when it comes to their branding, when it comes to um, their overall appeal of attracting people and customers to their businesses. So that so since we are a unique organization, I think they were interested in my unique background, right? So we don't just deal with the, the, the um, economic development side. We're also running a digital marketing campaign to bring more people to this community from a workforce perspective called Live the Valley. And then we're also working with our business community, which is about 700 business owners. So since we have such, we do so many things, then it just kind of went across the board, I would say. I was kind of hoping you say that because essentially I I was thinking to myself, well, she's a branding expert, right? (laughs) To brand the community, to brand the city. So therein lives, and I think I was telling my daughter this, I'm going to have to have you talk to her, Nicole about stuff to do behind the camera and behind the scenes in the industry. They're still business. You know, I try to remind her and remind even her manager that I don't care what y'all do in, in New York. You still have a business to run with the P and L in the background and brand your brand matters, particularly in fashion. And so I, I figured that might be kind of how you answered. So I'm glad I was at least thinking that way. Cause I, I, I thought your branding was just such an important part of your, your job and how you're communicating. So. And it I really is. I think so often, um, to people's um, detriment that they they have to see where one plus one equals two, i.e., right? <laughs> yes, you know I don't like that, Anthony. Anthony yeah. knows I'm not a, because sometimes I think that we miss things, right? Like, yes. so if if Carrie at Grove Cedar Valley, if they needed to make the linear connection of how Nicole could really benefit the message around economic and regional development, then they miss hiring probably one of the best communications directors that they've had to date right and so i always want to push people about thinking outside and i know we hear that all the time think outside the box but you really do have to like when i think about dr wilson your background is in education right my background i was military international academy i speak spanish i worked for nsa for many years right and and just happened to look up on not even a mentor was like i think you should look at going into cultural analysis and doing cultural event programming and then came back and all the other things, right? But if if we, and, and I think sometimes the people that are making the decisions, some of the growth that could happen doesn't happen because the people that have the ability to make decisions don't have that lens to think outside the box. I'm actually in a very heated debate with somebody around right now. And I love Dr. Wilson that you said that oftentimes community development, economic development overlap. Yeah. And I'm actually having a conversation with somebody right now telling them why I'm going to always move as a community-based organization because a lot of the benefits that you saw with recruiting individuals because I serve them in the way that we serve them, not in the way that your traditional doctrine says, right? If we did it that way, you would not have these individuals. I'm actually I'm getting ready to really get into somebody in a little bit here because that's as we grow up. As you get older and more mature in your journey, you have the ability to do that. Like you said, you have the, the ability to take up space and, and say, like, hey, let me tell you something. You don't have a program if it wasn't for the way my community-based organization moved. And I'm comfortable in saying that, and I know that all the way around. And so I'm actually getting ready to really enlighten somebody in about mm, 12 hours. But <laughs> so I just wanted to, and I'm comfortable. Again, I, mean, I haven't always been in this space, but I, I thank God that I'm in this space now. And so... I do want to caution that, too, because I just think about how awesome it is that Nicole did have. In fact, when she was interviewing, I was like, you, you will be amazing for this role because they they don't know it, but they need someone right. who maybe hasn't had that traditional path in chambers in economic development. And I love, Dr. Wilson, that you were in education and so you brought a different lens. And so I think more leaders need to be creative and think in that way of like, what else do I need? And what is something that maybe I don't even know that I need and I'm blocking because I'm only thinking this dot has to connect with this dot has to connect with this dot. And so I think oftentimes with women, especially um, black women, because we have to hold so many different positions, we get used to functioning in that. And I think that's why we oftentimes have so much to add into the roles yeah. we come. I'm, now we can talk about burnout and stuff later yeah. because that <laughs> also <Yeah>. goes- <laughs> Right, Dr. I saw your face. So I know burnout. <laughs> Dr. Wilson, so the, uh, I'm curious, obviously in, in your 18 months or even before, and Nicole, you can answer too, but I'm curious because your role is dealing with that business, those stakeholders. Do you have a story you could share, or a transformational scenario where you've had one of those powerful leaders in your circle 
have an aha moment where they realize they do need to change their ways as a leader about how they're leading uh, people of color, women, what, what have you do any, any transformational stories you'd like to share with the audience to give them an idea of how this really works. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think so before I stepped into the role, I was a DEI consultant, mm -hmm. right? And so that's my, that's my day job. So I've always had people kind of lean on me in that way. Um, I think, I don't know that I can tell you a particular story off the top of my head, but what I can tell you is what this position has allowed me to do um, at scale is to be able to frame conversations and offer another perspective and say, I'm not saying that what you're saying is wrong or how you are seeing it is wrong. I just want to give you another lens by mm -hmm. which you can digest this information because we don't have the same vantage point. We don't have the same lived experience or I can say things, you know, Joy, you said I'm about to lay into somebody. Well, when you are the CEO of the chamber, there is a certain persona that goes with that. Right. So there's times when I wanted to lay into people, but the conversation looked more like this. There's something I need to share with you to be helpful, not hurtful, because I think this conversation may be a little uncomfortable, but I think it's going to move our region forward. Or I think it's going to make our working relationship better. And if our working relationship is better, then I think our region wins. And so I, there used to be a point in my life where I think I would approach challenging conversations from that perspective to kind of hedge off the angry Black woman thing. Um, the language hasn't changed, but the spirit behind which I say it has changed. I'm not doing the work that I do to help people shift their ways of thinking and be more inclusive in their thought process for the purpose of, I have to be the person that represents this interest in the room. I do it from the place of, I know what I know. I do it from a place of confidence. I do it from a place from, you guys asked me to do this work. This is not a position where I, I was beaten down the door. You guys asked for my perspective. And so I'm going to own this experience and be unapologetic about why I'm doing it the way that I am. And um, so for me, it, it's been very freeing to be in a position where years ago, I, I felt like I maybe had to second guess myself or frame things from a different thought process. And now I lead with a sense of confidence, not that comes with the title, but that comes with the command that I've decided to embrace, that it was always there. Uh, but I, I have come alongside people to better understand myself and hopefully they become better for it as a result. But if I have, then that's a great takeaway, right? right. So um, I don't know that I have a per particular transformational story as much as it is I have a platform that's much larger now and yeah. wherever I have an open ear and where it's appropriate. Now there's folks that quite honestly, Anthony, there's folks I won't waste the energy on because I know they're not, they're not, they're not ready for my intellectual property. <laughs> you kind of went there. I was going to ask you at, at some mm -hmm. point because that emotional labor, you know, that, that, well, I, like Joy says, you're not going to keep asking me for stuff yeah. for free. First of all, that's and, one and, thing. And you, no obligation to cross the bridge right. just half built. Like and, if it's going to be too taxing on me, yeah. I'm not doing it. I think the other way, if I were to uh, paraphrase it in another way, what Ladrina said is, you get don't don't ask me if you don't want to hear the answer if you don't want if you don't want to know the real that you probably shouldn't put me at the table because this is going to be a perspective that may not be comfortable for you but this but you asked me to to bring my emotional labor to this table and I think that that is so important because it's something I know I've learned for for myself I was just having this conversation on another podcast I was a guest on this morning about having to learn to be comfortable with myself there was a time in my career where um I didn't want to talk about hip hop. I didn't, I might come to work. I might have to cover my tattoo up or I didn't, if we talked about social things outside of the, the office, um, I wasn't confident enough to, to talk about my life, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and so mm -hmm. I had to, I had to learn that. And it sounds like over the last year or so, you've decided that this is your insight has changed how you approach it, but you, you have really, internalize what matters to to dr wilson mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. that is amazing mm -hmm. and i hope folks are listening to that because that's an important that's a hard thing to do and i think i've built relationships with people now in a way that allows me to 
hopefully empower them to step in and, and, and behave differently. As I think through your question again, I can remember a particular event we were at where I was being introduced among different leaders in the room. And when they said, yo, Dr. Wilson with the Quad City Chamber of Commerce, somebody said, as I was, and I'm like, did they just like cat call me, like whistle at me? Mm-hmm. Like they listed off all these other names that were men in the room. And then when they said my name, it was the whole, mm, and I was like, wow. Did that just happen? So the person I thought that did it, I went up to them afterwards and I was like, did you just, did you whistle like a like cat call whistle when they called my name? And he said, no, that was not me. I think that was such and such. And I said, well, I think you're going to need to have a conversation with him because mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. that can't happen again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I think the people know that when I'm doing the work, I'm doing it not just from a place of that personally offends me or that's not appropriate. It's like, no, we have to, I am requiring us to do better yeah. and be better. And hopefully it has staying power beyond the time that I have with our chamber. Yeah. Uh, that's just amazing to me. Cause I mean, the answer should have been, it was him and I already talked to them. <laughs> right? I mean, uh, but Nick, you know, from the work that we, we do, we that we oftentimes we do. It, it, it's, in the, it's easy to say like what I would do, right? But in that moment, oftentimes, pe- a lot of people are gonna just go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Like they might feel that it's inappropriate, and they might not agree with what people do. But oftentimes, you you know, we we've got clients that are like, well, what should I have done, or or what would you recommend right now? Mm-hmm. Like that happens, and oftentimes, and in that moment, you know, I, I mean, again, we gotta, we're in a nation where. You know, huh? somebody that led yeah. us actually said it was okay to grab people by women by certain parts of their body, right? And so that dominant culture norm yeah. sometimes can be hard for people. You should go against it. Let me let me clarify that. I'm never saying that you should go with right. with that dominant culture norm, but a lot of people in that moment, right. a lot of people don't. And I, I've been the first. I've made that mistake myself. You know, I can remember. I think I might have been talking to you about a podcast I did a few years ago with an executive in this community. Um, and in the middle of that podcast, we were having conversations uh, about his experience with people of color. This was a, a white executive. And he said, he was just conversating and he said, you know what, you know, I know they're colored, you know, the, the colored people. And, and he, that rolled off his tongue like yesterday, like no big deal. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Immediately I was triggered, but in the moment the conversation kept going and, and I kicked myself for not. Like, should I have corrected him? Should I have did something about that? And in the moment, what? why didn't I do something? And I've continued to kick myself. I actually have a moment, like you, Joy, in, in about 20, 48 hours to have breakfast with that yeah. person. And I've already made a decision that uh, I got to rectify that inside because it's never felt good to me that I allowed that to happen without doing something about it. Um, but it was in that moment, it, I, I, I should have been better. And I know that I can be better. And I could be the Ladrina and say, you know what? Somebody better talk to him. <laughs> yeah. But, well, and it's a, it's constantly a delicate balance of calling people out versus calling people in. Yes. Right? And so yes. I think what I have found, um, you know, with a position or a title, you can do a lot. Yeah. Um, and you could do it for good or you can do it for you can be um, you can hold grudges. You can because people do things all the time that I don't necessarily agree with. Mm-hmm. But I have decided that because I know any black person, uh, particularly any black woman that comes after me, what I do is going to leave a stain in people's mark in minds and, and hopefully a positive indelible mark. But if I do something that's out of order, that's going to trickle over to the next person who comes behind me. So I'm trying to move. We don't hear this often in the workplace, but when I am correcting people or when I am sharing stories of like, Hey, this happened and this is the impact it had on me. I'm doing it from a place of love Mm -hmm. and letting my community know, I just want us to be better. And I think that that goes a lot farther than just, you know, calling people out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's it's amazing because I mean, there's even an example where, I had used the term trying to relay a story of a family member and not even thinking like, I, and I know that family member, we have discussion, like that's not a term we use you know, that we use anymore, even though your generation did. And when you do that, it's like, you know, and some of us, you know, like, please call me out. So I, it clicks like, Oh, oh why did I do that? Right. It's like, ah, no, that's not. And I'm, and I work in this space and yet still, even if you're laying another story, 
it comes out and you're like, oh man, that's uh, self-reflection, self-reflection, right? Yeah. But, but there's too many people out there that are so defensive, especially yep. ones that look like me, that if you call that out, they get, well, I'll use the term, butthurt and defensive and instead of growing from it. And I think we just as a people need to get to where we're not defensive and we can have those conversations and grow yep. from it instead of repeating them. And, and that's why I love what, what you and Nicole do because you're in that space where you're going to see those people, especially in Iowa. We're going to mm-hmm. see the generation, like my father's generation and our father's generations, where they don't know because no one's told them. Yeah. And they're right. just almost like walking on eggshells. Let's, let's get away from the eggshells. Let's have those conversations. So, so I, I really appreciate that and, and what mm-hmm. you all do. So, um, and I, I'm really looking forward to what, 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 where, you, where you both go growing forward exactly exactly you'll still be involved and and you do some of the similar stuff yeah. we do out there yeah. um when, when you talk let's talk about for a second real quickly you know so you you, you are you do similar to us you consult and 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 work in, in the di space one of our tenants that we we're really trying to focus on and, it, and it's again a, a balance with us with our personal feelings is there's there's so much of a fight against the diversity word right so so in our minds, there's so much focus on that and less on just belonging, right? But yet not losing our vision of why we're doing what we're doing. What, what's that balance look like for you of, of you know, we, we know there's this fight back, and we kind of talked a little bit about it earlier, of staying true to yourself, but also moving the needle in, an, in a state like, uh, I try not to call it North Florida, but like Iowa. Oh, I call it North Texas. North Texas? <laughs> <laughs> North Florida. North Texas works too. Um, you know, what I have found is um, right now, because I've been in the chamber role, a lot of my work is out of market. So um, for me, it was important not to create confusion in market where it was, okay, is she serving in the chamber CEO capacity or is she with her consulting firm? And um, what I would say, what I've had to remind myself as well as um, the folks on my team on the Iman side is this pendulum has always been like this, right? It swings back and forth. We've been through this cycle before, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether you're looking at um, I mean, Jim, Jim Crow came because of the reconstruction. Yes. <laughs> like it, that, that was the first pendulum swing. Right. And we've been doing it since 1865 and we're still here. And so what I've reminded myself is, um, one, the work that we are trying to do is about inclusion and for the most part, and yes, belonging is a, uh, a higher degree of, uh, maturation on the inclusion mm-hmm. spectrum. Um, I don't veer too far from that. Like I'm still comfortable with calling a spade a spade because fortunately as a consultant, I get to choose who I work with just like they get to choose me. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not right for you, then maybe I will hand you over to Nick or Joy or Anthony or somebody else in market who delivers a product with the same intent, but a different vernacular to to fit your appetite. Yeah. Um, and so... I remind myself that I want to, as much as possible, stay congruent to what I know to be truth and usher people along if they are willing. If if that's not, if they don't have an appetite or they're not ready, mm-hmm. then I, I can at least refer them to somebody else who can give them what they need. Yeah. The other piece is I am very actively looking at how I frame my leadership work. So we offer three lines of work really about the the specific coaching and then there's leadership and team building and DEI. And while they all need to be integrated, my leadership uh, modules and components, I'm integrating more diversity, equity, inclusion stuff with more deliberate uh, intentionality uh, intention Uh than I ever have. And it's not to say I'm going to put myself out of business because now it's all one thing, but I recognize how a person digests this is different right now. Um, I also recognize, uh, I had to tell my, my colleague, I hired her about a year ago and she's new into this work and she's like, are we still going to be able to, like, she's sending me all these articles. Here's what's happening in Florida. Did you see this thing that happened in Texas? And did you hear about this legislation in Iowa and Tennessee and so on and so forth? And I said, don't worry about it. In five years, we'll have more work than we know what to do with because that pendulum's going to swing the other way. Mm-hmm. The work will always be important. D, E, and I is part of the human experience. Yeah. 
And as long as there are people to be dealt with, we will always be having, at least in the American context, we will always be having some version of this conversation. And so I just applaud the people who are doing that work. I know it is exhausting because you are having to justify how and why you do what you do. But now more than ever, we need it simply because you should always be talking about the things that people tell you you're not supposed to talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I've had to clarify our, our vision is that we want to work ourselves out of a job because it's not a need, but we didn't say not a need, not because of, of, uh, government regulations <laughs> or government yeah. pushback. We want there not to be a need for what we do. Yeah. 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 You know, Dr. Wilson, it's been a, this has been an amazing conversation. Um, I've seen you speak a couple of times, but this just feels different. And I appreciate this conversation. Yeah, this just feels different to me. Maybe because it's the interaction we get to have, and I don't have to see you on a stage 20 feet away or what have you. um, (laughs) As as we wrap up, you know, is there any, you know, piece of advice or or nuggets that our listeners could take away um, that they could learn from you as a a black woman in a a role that you're in? Uh, Or or, or anybody um, in terms of uh, when it comes to how to value and stay true to the game of DEI um, and stay true to your authenticity as a black woman, but advance in, in, in corporate America or in whatever desire they want. Any words of advice you could give folks as they move forward on their path? Yeah, I guess the only thing that I would maybe share, um, there's two parts, one, the community perspective, but also the very personal perspective around how people navigate and traverse their their careers um, with a historically marginalized identity. So as identify as I identify as a black woman, um, in my career experience, I have, whether it's from outside influence, my, my dad even, I can remember a time when my dad was giving me crap about how I talk, like because I wasn't using black vernacular at work. Mm. And I'm like, I can code switch and it doesn't mean I'm being disingenuous, No, right? I know uh, for me, authenticity is about making connections because that's important to who I am as a person, meaningful connections, which means I'm not going to use the King standard English with my people. Right. But if you speak the King standard English and I need to connect with you, I'm going, I'm versatile enough. It's still yes. true to who I am to be able to, um navigate that as well and i see that as an asset where i see some people saying well maybe that's like selling out or you shouldn't have to code switch or you shouldn't have to this that and the Mm. other right like i'm not playing those culture wars with where i'm at in my career uh when i walk into a japanese restaurant and i want to sit down and eat in there i can't even think of what it's called i'm going to take off my shoes because i'm in their house that's Mm. how i interact with people i observe i connect with people and meet them where they're at yes I will talk to a four-year-old like it's a four-year-old, not a 24-year-old, right? And so to me, this whole dynamic around your authentic self, toy with that internally. Don't let other people pressure you into as you ascend in your career. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like that's a very personal experience where your hair, how you want to hair, wear it when it feels right. Um, Share with people what you think is appropriate. Uh, When you think it's appropriate, do not overshare because your vulnerability is a form of social capital and people will use that against you in the world of work. Mm -hmm. So make sure you've done your due diligence around this whole word around transparency is kind of overused. And so I just want people to do the personal work of identifying what authenticity is as you traverse your career. Yes. I love yeah. that. I think as you um, move through that, huh, be willing to, I always say, take the proverbial arrows that come with the decisions that you make because mm-hmm. you'll never please everybody. But through, exactly. can you look in the mirror and please you? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think the other piece that I would share from a community perspective is I think a lot of there's a lot of misunderstanding about what the value of a chamber is or organizations, economic development organizations and how they support big businesses. And so we see a lot of people who are um, much more progressive who say we're not pro, we're not for the big businesses. We're not for economic development or big projects. We want to be for the people. Well, I think you can do both. I do too. I always say we we get so caught up in the we need the and I think so often that stops growth for us because if it does if it looks like the NAACP and Urban League but but we want it to look like Black Lives Matter well then we can't you know what I mean and and we need that we need the marchers we need the strategists we need the people in the boardroom we need the people running for office so I didn't mean to cut you off but I so agree no you're right no no we need all those and and we and we need the uh, the the Knicks in the world who can to you said it earlier Dr. Ladrina that can walk into the room if I can't. 
exactly. how are we going to get the job exactly. done? How are we going to move the needle well, together? So. I need to practicing. People I like, like me need to bring the bring you all with them, though, not yeah. just walk in the room. With <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank and you so, so I just much. Wanna, I want to see our communities have a, a not an either or mentality, but a both yeah. end. Yes. yes. So yes. I, I appreciate the invitation to come yeah. and spend time with you. I'm sorry I couldn't get in my car and drive up there. But if you invite me back, I will prioritize trying to be there with we'll you. Be we'll be back. We'll have you again for sure. And we'll um, come down there. And we'll come there. But it's, it's been an hey, enlightening conversation. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so me. much. Yeah. Again, thank, Thanks, thank you very Nick. much. Thanks, yeah, thanks much uh, for both of our, our guests today. Um, it looks like we have some technical difficulty with the call, but we'll catch up another time as well. Um, and wish you both the best going forward. And whatever we can do to support, we're here. Uh, we'd uh, like to big a big shout-out to our Silver Diversity Sponsor, Rise to Greatness. And then also our friends at Breaking Barriers Community Savings Bank, Tyler Lincoln, Barnes DDS, and Imon Communications. We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up. Send your questions, comments, suggestions to info at toprankculture.com. And uh, over to you, Joy. Yeah. Have a good Dr. Ladrina again. Thank you so much. Um, you, we, yes, we'll let you know as soon as this comes out uh, for our listeners. You know, we drop two episodes a month, and we just con- we appreciate you all continuing to break barriers with us. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Advancing equity is not a one-year project. It's a generational commitment. There are too few people in the world willing to be the domino. Too few people willing to take that fall.